Again, I'm so excited that you've tuned in today. We're going to work through Mark chapter 3, and we do this by presenting verse-by-verse teachings so that you can learn the Bible. If you're new to our podcast, we're glad you're here. Real quick, let me explain how our podcast works. I will read a passage of scripture, and then we break it down as we go. I will be reading from the English Standard Version, also commonly referred to as the ESV. And today, if you're interested in following along, that's the version to check out. Let's dive in to Mark chapter 3. You are listening to Bold Is, a ministry podcast training women how to handle the Word of God. Buckle up, sis. It's about to get real. Here's your host, Megan Rawlings. This is Mark chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Who is the disciple asking this question? Well, scholar James Edwards believes it was Judas Iscariot because of his materialism and the fact that Mark omits the traitor's name even in his recording of the Last Supper in 14 verses 20 through 21. Yet it was easy to see why the disciples were impressed. Herod's temple at this point, roughly 32 to 33 AD, was still under construction, yet 12 modern football fields could fit within it. And yet Jesus was not impressed at all. He used the fig tree in chapter 11 to signify the temple, something not producing fruit. Jesus sees the large, impressive blocks. One historian noted some of the stones were more than 60 feet in length, a stumbling box to a right relationship with God. Thus, Jesus pronounces judgment on the temple, and indeed, less than 40 years later, it would be all but leveled to the ground by the Roman army. Now let's read verses 3 through 4. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are um, about to be accomplished? From the Mount of Olives, Jesus could see the eastern side of the temple. He sits, which is the posture of a Jewish teacher. Peter, James, John, and Andrew come to Jesus and ask when these things will happen. Then, in verses 5 and 8, it says, And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginnings of the birth pains. Jesus' answer is a little vague. He warns them of those who will come claiming to be the Messiah, and we know that this did happen. For example, a mysterious charismatic figure named Bar Kokhba, definitely butchered that one, sorry guys, was hailed as the Messiah and led a Jewish revolt against Rome in 132 AD, about 100 years after Jesus rose from the dead, but his revolt was squashed by Rome a few years later. The rest of Jesus' answer is vague, when in history haven't these things taken place, but that's the point. This is why Jesus warns them, beware, or watch out, or be watchful, because no one will be able to predict the end. Jesus also mentions birth pains. As he will clarify in the next section, the church must weather all of these things, but remain faithful to Christ. These pains will eventually produce joy. Verse 9. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. 
James Edwards, in his commentary on Mark, writes about this verse. Threats to faith will also come through persecution of believers. The NIV perhaps overtranslate the Greek phrase, blepete de haimais hetus, as you must be on guard. A more fitting translation would be, you must be clear in your own minds, with emphasis on you. The point is to rid believers of utopian fantasies and remind them that the adversity and persecution are not aberrations of the Christian life, but are rather the norm. Verse 10 says, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Jesus then tells the disciples that they will be persecuted by both Jews and Gentiles, but that this must happen to spread the gospel to all four corners of the world. Again, James Edwards writes, one once again, the sufferings and persecutions of believers are not signs of the end, but signs that attend authentic preaching of the gospel. Verse 11. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. This verse has been used a lot of folks, um, by a lot of folks to argue that you don't need to prepare before witnessing. They use this verse to dismiss apologetics, but is that true? Scott Oliphant, a theologian at Westminster Theological Seminary, points out in his book, The Battle Belongs to the Lord, that one, this is addressing a legal defense and does not want his disciples to worry about being lawyers. Two, the verb and mark actually can be rendered, don't be anxious beforehand. And then three, that 1 Peter 3.15 commands us to always be ready to make a defense of our faith. So Jesus is talking about anxiety and legal matters, not apologetics or preparing to share our faith. Verses 12 and 13. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his ch child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus warns his disciples that great trouble awaits them as they spread the gospel, but reminds them that those who remain faithful will be saved. Once again, James Edwards writes, The life of faith is not an exemption from adversity, but a reliance on the promise of God to bear witness to the gospel in adversity and to be saved for eternal life through it. Okay, let's move on to verses 14 through 18. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house, to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter. The abomination of desolation was a phrase that Jews used to describe the defiling of the temple. We know that the emperor, um, the Roman emperor, Caligula planned on placing a statue of himself in the temple a few years later, and it nearly sparked a revolt. We also know that in 70 AD, just within a generation of Jesus speaking these words, that the temple would be destroyed by the Roman army. Some scholars argue that Christians fled Jerusalem as the Jewish revolt brewed in 66 AD because of these words. Others argue this refers to a future event that has not happened yet. So, Let's continue on to see if we can arrive at the same clarity. Some clarity, I apologize. Verses 19 through 27. For in those days there will be such tribulations as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. 
and if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory and then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven once again jesus warns about false messiahs so he is talking about the bark bark revolt is he talking about that maybe but probably not as we will see more importantly in verse 23 he again warns his disciples and us to be alert we will talk about why that is important in just a minute Um, Let's go ahead and read verses 28 and 29. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near as at the very gates. James Edwards is helpful, helpful here. He writes, the almond tree blossoms early in Palestine, often before winter is past. Olives, oaks, terebinths, and evergreens do not drop their leaves or needles in winter, and hence they cannot announce the change of seasons. But the fig tree is different. It loses its leaves in winter and only late in spring. When winter is past and warm weather is at hand, does its branches grow tender with buds. Jesus saw in the fig a suitable metaphor of the nearness of the end, just as summer comes each year without human effort, so God fulfills his kingdom in his own time. The fig tree signals the nearness of summer, but not its immediacy. That is, that summer is coming, if not exactly when. Verses 30 through 31 says, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will pass will not pass away. Jesus must be talking about the Jewish revolt of 66 through 70 AD because he says his generation will not pass away until these things happen. And it is just under a generation when they do. It was a horrible sight, but Jesus makes it clear that it is God's judgment. Verses 32 through 37. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Jesus switches from the judgment of the temple and its leadership to final judgment and makes it clear that no one can predict when it will happen. He ends with the warning, keep awake or be watchful. He's not calling for listening for signs, but to live as if he could return at any moment, and he can, to motivate us to always be serving the kingdom by worshiping, studying, and sharing the gospel. To quote the Christian poet and missionary C.T. Studd, Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say, t'was worth it all. Only one life, t'will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. We cannot thank you all enough for being part of the bull movement. 
We want to let you know that everything we do in this ministry is 100% free, with the exception of a few incentives for our financial supporters. These include discounts on our merchandise, additional resources on our website, and early access to all of our content. If you believe in what we're doing and would like to consider helping a few girls out, would you pray about joining us as sponsors? We have plans ranging from $1 a month to $25 a month. And with your donations, you are ensuring that we can give you, among other women, content to help you better understand your Bible. If you can't afford to help, we can definitely use your prayers. If you like us, would you rate and review our podcast? This helps get us out there so that others can find us too. Also, please check us out at www.theboldmovement.com. See you next week. Ladies, remember, go out and be bold.